confession, I was a pretty dysfunctional child. Um, some things never change, but as a kid, like I was a little bit of a, uh, a liability, I guess you would say. My grandma, um, she likes to remind me of the, sto- of the, not the one story, the many stories, like she feared when she had to watch me because she was always on edge. Apparently, like I ran everywhere. Um, to the point where not only did I run everywhere, I ran, but I would look behind me. And, and my dad's like, dude, you were a freaking psycho. Like, you, you didn't, there's no fear. Like, you would just run like this and, and not look where you were going. There's a time where I was uh, at my aunt's house, and I think I was three. And everybody's, um, like, there's a, a big line, long line of kids. I can't swim. And kids are jumping off the diving board. My older brothers are doing their thing. I can't swim at that time. So like little three-year-old me, my dad looks up and he goes, oh, look, Riley's jumping off the diving board. Oh, Riley can't swim. Like huge liability. But literally like my grandma, the, the famous quote is like, she was dead serious when she said this. Like, I think we need to get him a helmet. <laughs> yeah, they never did, which explains a lot today. But I'm telling you, I had multiple trips to the ER, like tore my lip open, had to get stitches there, tore my head open. I told you that story before, had to get stitches there. I was, I was just a little bit of a wreck, um, but just constantly running, constantly like never looking straight to where I was supposed to go. Here's my connection. Oftentimes in our lives, I feel like we live our lives like I lived as a little kid running around everywhere, but never looking forward. That we're constantly running towards things. We don't actually know where we're going, but we're just in a big old hurry trying to get stuff done, running around, but never looking. We're constantly running from thing to thing to thing, never seeing where, we're, where our steps are actually taking us. And sometimes I feel like God is like, kind of looks at me like my grandma did, like, uh, face forward, like, for the love of God, please look where you're going. Like, uh, Angel Gabriel, get him a helmet. Like, this guy is about to wreck something. And so there's just so many times where I feel like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like, I go through the week, and I'm just running. And I'm just aimlessly living this life and filling a schedule. And I feel like God was just telling me, like, dude, this, in 2019, he's like, dude, slow down. Genuinely, Riley, slow down. That's, that's the title of my message. And I just, I felt like tonight, I just wanted to share with you guys some of the lessons that God gave me. And I wanted to first give you permission. Like, and I think sometimes we need permission because there's this expectation that we're just supposed to be busy, <laughs> that we're just supposed to be doing things all the time. And I feel like just as uh, the leader of this ministry, like I was supposed to give you permission to just slow down. At this time in your life, I'm giving you permission. I feel like God is giving us permission to slow down. Before you start preparing for literally a new decade, (laughs) slow down. Before you start like trying to figure out your whole plan and uh, all the stuff that you have to do, before you start making your list and figuring everything out, God is okay with you slowing down. You gotta understand that. And the first thing that God taught me this, this year is that slowness isn't laziness. And slowness is a word, I looked it up. Um, 
It doesn't sound like it, but it is. Slowness is not laziness. That's not the same thing. And at the same time, busyness does not mean success. Busyness isn't success. And honestly, some of us are, doing, are going way too fast to do any good. Like, I want you for a second to just take a record of your life. Think of your week this week. What did you do? Eric, my buddy up here in the front, will often ask me, like, hey, what's the highlight of your week? And it's a struggle of me for me to even think of that sometimes because I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I did a whole lot, but I couldn't tell you. And that should, that's an issue. Like, there should be something that stands out. And, and I've, I feel like I'm, I'm convinced that the worst sin of our day is busyness. Like in America, the biggest sin of our day is busyness because we're aimlessly running around from thing to thing to thing, especially in this season. In this season right now, as we're going to walk into a new decade, the temptation is to step up the busyness on a whole nother level, is to, to do more, to be more, to accomplish, to succeed more, to compare ourselves to everybody else, to look at other people who were, when they were this age, they got X, Y, and Z done and were busy and it kills us. And I think there's, there's two main reasons that I think that we're busy and this might hurt a little bit. Number one, I think number one, we're busy, we're busy because we're vain, let me explain this. We're busy because we're vain. Basically, I feel like we want to appear important. I, wanna, I want people to notice my significance. I want them to see me walking around the office like I have somewhere to be and somebody who's waiting on me. I want them to know that I'm busy because busyness means significance. If I'm busy, it means I have, I have somewhere to be and people who are waiting on me. Think about it. We, what better way to appear important than to, than to look busy? And that's what people do. Actually, most of the, oftentimes we'll be in a setting like this and you don't really have anything going on right now. You just don't know how to answer, but you don't want people to know you have nothing going on. So when they ask you, hey, how you been? Busy. <laughs> busy. What does that even mean? Yeah, just school work, man, it's been crazy. Has it? You know what I mean? And so sometimes I feel like we use, like busyness is actually caused by our, our vanity. Like we want people to think that we're important. Number two, this one might sting a little bit more. I'm busy because I'm lazy. I'm busy because I'm lazy. I let other, per, other people determine what's most important for my life. Hello? I let somebody else tell me what I should be doing. I'm lazy and I let other people know, let, tell me where I need to be. So everybody else or somebody else is determining where I need to be, when I need to be there, and why I need to be there. And hear me tonight. The person that you allow to tell you where you need to be and when you need to be there will eventually be the same person who tells you who you are. The person you allow to tell you when and where you need to be all the time and dictates your, your schedule will also be the person who tells you who you are. And you lose your identity. Oftentimes, busyness reflects how lazy we are with our own lives. Why are you running around? And I felt like that was the conviction of the Holy Spirit on me this, this uh, last year. Where it's like, dude, like, why are you doing all this? Is, is that necessary? 
Or is that just feeding your vanity? Or is that just you being lazy so that you're allowing other people to determine where you're going? C.S. Lewis said this, only lazy people work hard. That's kind of true. Only lazy people work hard. Understand tonight that your busyness is not your success. Your full schedule, your full calendar does not make you important. In fact, scripture invites us into a completely different pace. And this is what I guess the revelation that I had this year is like, uh, the Bible is not American. <laughs> the Bible's not American. Like it's not, we think that this way of life is normal and, and the, the flow and the pace of Jesus' life is so much different than we realize. Scripture invites us into a different pace, into a different way of living our lives, and we can experience that pace. We read about that pace even from the first Christmas story, from the very first Christmas story. Like, you got, I'll just summarize it. You know the deal, right? So, angel visits Mary. Gabriel goes, uh oh. <laughs> hey, Mary, I got to tell you something. Um, there's a shotgun wedding that needs to happen. Uh, you're giving birth to a savior, a couple of wise men. There's going to be some stars, some spices, some essential oils, frankincense and myrrh, probably young living. You essential oil people know what I mean. There's a battle. Um, so that whole thing, right? Angel comes to Mary and the, the angel drops this bomb on Mary like crazy. And here's her response to the bomb. Luke 2 verse 19. So Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Bomb was dropped, yet Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Okay, I know that we have some pretty huge things that we're facing in our life. Like all of us have some, some pretty big things, but imagine you're visited by this angel. Imagine you're Mary. And the angel told you that you're going to be pregnant, even though you're a virgin. Uh, and you then got to have the talk, that talk, with your fiance, a little bit awkward. And by the way, you're giving birth to God. And Mary pondered, like, what would a modern day Mary look like? Like, some of you girls in here, I just want to know, like, what would your reaction be to this? Like, Today, Mary would be like, um, okay, Lord, I'm going to need a plan. Um, like, what's step one to this? Like, does the son of God need a hospital, or are we going to go with more of a natural birth? Okay. Um, okay, we'll go natural birth. So is that no epidural? Okay. Um, Lord, uh, I'm just curious, like, when he comes, are we going to go formula or are we going to go all natural? <laughs> Is that, I mean, which do you prefer? Oh, natural? Okay, okay, good. And freaking poor Joseph, my guy. Like, he has all the responsibility of being a father, yet none of the perks, if you know what I mean. Like, poor, poor guy. You know what I mean? Like, instantly, fatherhood. We skipped a step, Lord. <laughs> like, if I'm Joe, I'm over here like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, was this ever in the... This should, I feel like this is backwards. Like, remember in the beginning, Adam and Eve came and Like, something had to happen there. Why did I get screwed on this, God? Um, anyway, 
end of rant. Don't know where that came from. Um, but I, I just feel like we would respond a little bit different, right? Like, not one of us are going to be like, let me just ponder this in my heart. Like, I think that's one of the funniest verses in the Bible. All this is happening, and Mary's like, I'm going to ponder this in my heart. I think we do a lot of things, but that's probably one thing we wouldn't do, is just think about it. She pondered, which means she literally, she, she got this word, this bomb, this circumstance dropped in her lap, and it, it means that she slowed down. It means that she pondered means that she thought about it carefully. She meditated on it. She didn't just try and figure it out. She slowed down and said, okay, God, I hear you. I take you at your word. Now, now walk me through. Walk me through what this means because quite literally, like, I don't get it, God. Walk me through. And I believe that much of our confusion in life isn't because God isn't speaking, but because we don't stop long enough to hear what God said. Do you understand that God is speaking, but we go so fast. We do so much. We're trying to be at everything. Like even think about your spiritual life, like devotions, your reading, your praying, your worship, all of that. I feel like we do too much. And I'm not talking about capacity and, and, and all of that. You can't spend too much time with God. But I mean, we try and implement too much. Like, it's, it becomes busy. It becomes busy work. We, we read, we listen to music, we watch podcasts, we watch Stephen Furtick's sermon, we watch Pastor Greg's sermon, we watch Kanye's Sunday church, we watch all this stuff. Uh, at least this was my issue. Like, and then we're running to different services. I'm here Wednesday. I'm, I'm, I'm here Thursday. I'm going Sunday. I'm going to hear when I can get it. And, and, and I feel like God's like, for what? To what end are you doing all of this? Because how much more do you live like Jesus from it? All the books, all the sermons, all the podcasts, all the songs, the constant information, how much more, not do you know about Jesus, but how much more do you live like Jesus? There was a, a Chinese evangelist who said this, they will get into a bad habit of never using what they know. It's dangerous to learn truth faster than we can practice it. It's dangerous to learn truth faster than we can practice it. And some of us read fast enough to know truth, but never slow enough to apply it to our lives. We go to enough sermons to know, or go to enough services to know when we hear a good sermon, but, but we never slow down long enough to apply those sermons to live them out. We're doing a lot, but to what end? And I felt like God said, slow down. Riley, even this, do less. Here's another quote. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, if you read too fast, you believe too little. <laughs> if you read too fast, you believe too little because there are certain things in the word of God that if we read them and we just skim over them, it's like, wait, 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 what? You're the way, the truth, and the life? And I'm gonna breeze by that? Come on. Like, if, if we read too fast, it means we believe too little. Hebrews 11.6 says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
of those who diligently seek him. What does it mean to be diligent when we seek God? I think, I think it means to slow down. I think it means to, to, to think about what we're reading, to actually get into a place where we're, we're understanding it, where we're taking a couple verses and letting those just soak in our spirit, letting those things speak to us. And I just wonder what it would look like if we didn't just try like, I was reading Genesis, I was reading Psalms and Proverbs, and I was reading another book in the New Testament all at the same time, and I'm like, wait, what am I doing? This is the living word of God. And I just felt like God's like, a verse a week. Have your, a, you read other stuff, that's great, but literally marinate, like sit a verse a week and allow that to speak to you. And it's changed so much in my life to just, sure, I read other stuff, but to have that verse where I'm just like, I'm going back to this. God, I don't, I don't understand. Right now it's Hebrews 11. And we hear it all the time. He is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let me just, give me a week on that. And I feel like God's just saying, hey, in your life, slow down. Yes, with your schedule and your busyness, but he's like, hey, even with me, in this season, slow down, do less. Let me, let me impact you in a greater way. And it appeared to me this season that God is, he, he tends to like slow more than I realize. He tends to like slow. Does anybody, you ever read the Bible and realize that Jesus was never in a hurry? Lazarus, like I got screwed on that. <laughs> He dies, even though Jesus said he's going to come heal him. Jesus waits a couple days before he even goes. It's like, um, Lord, you, you never seem to be in a hurry. And it, it's true. When you read scripture, he's never running. He's never in a hurry yet. For some reason in our lives, we're always so surprised when God takes his time. For some reason in, in our lives, I, I, I'm guilty as charged. There's times where I'm like, all right. Uh, let's get this going now, Lord. And he's like, who told you that I was fast? Like, who told you? And I'm, I'm just wondering, like, what book are we reading? When we get frustrated, we're at this age and we're not yet where we think we should be. I think oftentimes we're comparing our lives to those who went before us, but not to the word. We're comparing our lives to where our parents were at, but not to who Jesus is. And the second thing that I feel like God taught me this year was that, that if you're the creator of time, you don't need a watch, nor do you own one. The creator of time does not need a watch, nor does he own one. Let me show you really quick in John 7, 2, John, John chapter 7, verse 2, says, now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, this is his brothers, depart from here and go to Judea that your disciples may also see the works that you're doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe him. Verse six, my time has not yet come, Jesus said. But for you, your time, you're always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify, I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up for my time has not yet fully come. 
Jesus' brothers were a lot like you and I. He's like, uh, Lord, uh, it's time, dude. Let's go. Let's get this thing going. Let's get this thing moving. Like, you're God. So let's show the world. You know what I'm saying? Those miracles, all that stuff. We're going to get a lot of followers if you start doing that stuff publicly. Like, I'll even get followers, Jesus. So let's, let's get this thing kicked into high gear. Uh, let's get it going. Uh, it's about time. And the brothers are like, Jesus, hey, you're 30. Clock's a ticking, man. Like, let's get this thing going. Jesus, you're still single. Like, was this, what's the deal? Like, let's get this moving. And, and time after time, and this has happened throughout scripture, but time after time, people are trying to rush Jesus into his time. They're trying to tell him when his time is coming. And Jesus again replies, my time has not yet come. And I think verse four is the temptation of our generation. Show yourself to the world. Show yourself to the world, prove yourself, be known, be significant, be, be relevant, get married, start the business, start the family, just be known, show yourself. And oftentimes for you and I, Jesus answers the same. Your time has not yet come. And it kind of sucks. Your time has not yet come. Why does Jesus answer like that? Why is that oftentimes the story of our life or the reality that we're living in right now? And I believe ultimately that it's because that truth isn't proven in what you trust God to do, but also in being okay with when he will do it. That true trust is not just with the what you expect God to do, but with when he might do it. That's true trust. That, that timing and trust are closely linked or linked we worry so much about what we still have to do, what we've still yet to accomplish, what we still have to become, and we rush through every single day striving for tomorrow, yet never really being present today, never really being present in the moments that we see ourselves in. And I believe that this affects our relationships in a great way. I've seen it reflect, uh, affect my relationships. Like, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody who always has somewhere to be? Like that busy guy who you're talking to him and it's like, you're here, you're present, but are you ac you're not actually here. Like I'm just talking to a board, uh, like a sounding board about really deep things in my life and this is really awesome. Like you're just, you're just not there. Like I, I felt like I've been that person who, who, who would meet somebody for coffee, who would go out with somebody and, and hear what's going on in their life and I would be there, but I wouldn't really be there. That I would be physically present, but not actually invested in the present moment. And I felt like I, God convicted me of that. And listen to what this, this author says. It says, although I often try to pull it off, I know that I cannot, I cannot be present for another person when my inner world is filled with preoccupations and distractions. This is one of my biggest challenges. This is one of my biggest challenges I face in being present for others, being still within my own soul. Stillness is the precondition of presence. Stillness comes before present. You can't truly be present with people unless you're still within yourself. And the same is true with God. The same is true with God. Unless you're still within yourself, you can't really be present in these moments. 
That's why David, the psalmist, he says, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Knowledge of God requires stillness. To understand how God works, it requires us to be still in his presence. If you love truth, then you have to be a lover of silence. If you want to understand, you have to understand how to be a lover of, of quiet and quieting your heart and quieting your soul. And notice how I just, I was talking about the timing of God and then I started talking about stillness. Why? Because oftentimes the stiller the person, the more the trust. The stiller you can be, the more you may be able to trust. Those given to constant movement are also the same people who are given to constant doubt. And oftentimes we cover our doubt and our fears and our questions in movement and in busyness and in doing and in noise because we don't want to face it. And I believe that the busy nature of our lives is because we're distracting ourselves from the fact that we feel like we're behind. We feel like we're not where we're supposed to be yet. We get busy when we feel like God's watch isn't working. When I feel like God's behind, then I start taking it upon my own shoulders and doing more and, and, and taking control. It's when we're stuck in that tension between who we are and, and who we want to be, that, that whole ordeal where it's like I have this vision for myself, but I'm still stuck right here and I, I'm not getting there yet. And we start to get busy, but I want you to think about this. Think about this quote. The most beautiful music is always played in the tension of strings. Stephen's guitar, the tension of strings. The most beautiful music is always played through the tension of strings. And in the same way, the most beautiful things will come out of, will come out of the tension in your life. Will come out of the moments, the tension between, the tension between single and married. There's a beauty in that. Why? Because we seek God in that. The tension between having a job but still feeling like we haven't found our passion or our true purpose yet, there's, in that tension, there's a beauty. Even the tension between God is good, yet I don't really understand why God allowed this to happen. God, you're good, you're healer, but how come this, this moment there was no healing? And in the tension is where we seek God. The tension is always an invitation into a deeper intimacy. And I feel like we run from it. And I feel like sometimes we even try to explain it away. And I feel like God says what he said in the gospel, like true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth, which means I come before you, God, in the tension, in the question, when I don't understand and through that, there's a deeper intimacy that follows. Only with God does stillness actually bring the most movement. Only in a relationship with God does stillness actually bring the most movement. Think about that. Be still and know that I am God. In him, when we remain still, when we trust, when we when we quiet our hearts before him, that's when the most movement happens in the spirit. That's when God begins to work on our behalf in a, in, in a crazy way. 
And the last thing that the Lord was teaching me as I close, and I actually, we're, we're just going to close here, band. Um, you don't have to come up. Um, number three, the biggest enemy of today is tomorrow. The biggest enemy of today is tomorrow. So many times in my life, I've lived, I've hoped, and I've dreamed for a tomorrow so much that I miss today. But the word says that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Many of us have no joy for today because we're always living for tomorrow. When it will happen, when, when that thing comes to pass, if this happens, then I'll be filled with joy. The statement that I hate, that I say about myself the most is, is this, I'll do it tomorrow. I hate when I say that. I am, I'm a chief procrastinator at times. And there's so many times I can remember where I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Proverbs 27.1 says, do not boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day might bring. Don't boast about tomorrow. Don't be so focused on tomorrow because you don't know what today might bring. Don't be so concerned with tomorrow that you miss what God has for you today. Because the verse is literally saying that on any given day, anything can happen. You hear me? On any given day, anything can happen. Psalm 139 verse 16 Again, David writes, and in your book, they were all written. What were? The days. In your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none. David is literally writing that God has something for every single day. That he has something new. That not only are your days written, but they're actually fashioned. Which means it's tailor fit. It's custom fit. That God has something for you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And not only that, that, that Thursday, December 5th, 2019, is tailor-made like no other day you'll ever have again. God fashions your days. And so I feel like for me, God just began to say like, wake up with some expectancy because you will never have a day again in your life exactly like the one you're in. The people around, the circumstances, this time, it might never happen again. How are you going to use it? Don't miss the fifth being focused on the sixth or whatever down the line. God has something for us every single day. And I felt like God just had to tell me, Riley, quit looking ahead. Today's for you. The kingdom of God that you're seeking, it's today. It's not tomorrow. The kingdom of God is always today. It's not, not someday when. The kingdom of God, what he wants to do in your life, the purpose, it's today. I have something for you today. God has something for you today. And oftentimes we miss the victory of today worrying about the threat of tomorrow. We're so consumed with the threat that tomorrow might bring that we don't realize that on any given day there might be that victory that we're looking for and we miss it and we cruise right by it. I was driving here and I felt like, and I saw the sign on 80, where do you get off at 65? Cause that's just like a sketchy little off ramp. And it said, slow down, save a life. Yeah, thanks Mariah, yeah. <laughs> slow down, save a life. And I felt like I was like, you're speaking on that tonight. Tell them, slow down, save their own life. Slow down, 
like save your life. So many times I'm driving and I drive a little bit too fast, but I'm driving and I miss my turn. I miss my off ramp. I miss my exit, whatever it is, because the speed that I'm going with, it it kills my awareness of where I'm at. And oftentimes the speed, the busyness of our own life kills our awareness of what God's doing. And so many times we end up places where like, how did I get here? And God's like, you drove past the off-ramp. Slow down. Like, I I have something for you, but you you keep living for tomorrow that you missed the step I have for you today. Proverbs 16, 9 says, "In in his heart, a man plans his way, but the Lord orders his steps. God wants to direct your life, but he's a God of steps. You keep praying for your five-year plan. You keep praying for what's gonna happen down the road, but God's a God of steps. And until you start being obedient with the steps he's placed in your life, you'll never find the destiny which is down the way. He guides our steps, but it's hard to guide our steps when we're running through them. Each step matters. And God's just saying, hey, today matters. Let me guide that step today. But we're running through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, God, when is this gonna happen? When am I gonna see this? And it's like, I'm trying to guide you, but you're running through every single step that I put in your way. And let me close with this. Proverbs 4, 25 through 26. And I feel like this is just like for our season right now, I want us to stick with this verse. Let this be the cry of our hearts. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead of you and your eyelids right before you. Ponder, there's that word again, the path of your feet and let your ways be established. I wanna encourage you tonight to fix your gaze. That in this season, would you slow down? Would you, would you take your eyes off of your past Would you take them even off of your future and put them on Jesus? It says, ponder your path, just like Mary pondered the word. Slow down in your life because busyness does not mean success. And slowness does not mean laziness. Be still in your day-to-day life. Be still and trust because God doesn't own a watch. He's above time. Be still and trust. And focus on today. Focus on the day. When you wake up tomorrow, focus on that day. Focus on the sixth. Because God's always gonna order your steps, not your whole path. And if you're diligent to seek him for that day, if you're diligent enough to get your daily bread, to be filled on that day, you will look down your path And you'll understand that, God, you guided me the whole way through. And it wasn't this big, huge sign like we see on the side of the highway. It was this day of obedience. I gave it all I had. I woke up and I just, I delighted in you, Lord. I wasn't trying to strive and to to have everything figured out. I wasn't in one prayer moment going to all of a sudden get this download and figure out the rest of my life. I sought the Lord today. I got before you, God, and I didn't need the podcast that would set me free. I just got in your presence. And 
somehow, some way, you got me here. That's gonna be the testimony of your life. But I wanna give you permission to slow down. I wanna give you permission to relax and lean into the tension. The answer is not there, that's okay. God's there. God's there in the unknown. He's there in the question. Slow down, be still, and maximize today. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for your presence, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're in every single moment. With every single person that's here, God, you're in every moment that they're, that they're in. Every, every place, Lord, that they find themselves, you're there. God, you're with them. And I thank you that tonight, God, you're just making it simple. I feel like God's just saying like, hey, all this other stuff, a lot of you even had these crazy plans in your head that you were just gonna, you were gonna take control of something. You were going to, you were gonna take, take it into your own hands and make this big massive move or this, this big change. And God's just saying, win today. Seek to know me better today than you did yesterday. You don't have to have it all figured out, but, but be still in my presence so I can speak to you. Slow down long enough that I can guide you. Just put one foot in front of the other and fix your gaze upon me. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He wants to guide you. He wants to show you the path but paths are revealed step by step. So Jesus, we give you our lives, God. More than that, God, we, we give you today. I give you the rest of tonight. We don't know what a day could bring. And I pray, Lord, that in this revelation, this understanding, Lord, that you can make anything happen on any given day. I pray, God, that that would refresh our soul. That would refresh our soul to have everything figured out. But Lord, I pray that we would begin to wake up tomorrow with a new excitement. Lord, that in your presence, the kingdom of God is not boring. It's exciting that on any given day, any given Friday morning, God, you could do something and virtually change it all. God, I pray that you would return to us the joy of our salvation like David prayed. And we seek you, God, diligently. Thank you for your path that you've set us on. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen.